Hey, if you like us and think we're doing a good job, please leave a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. It really helps grow the show. Also, check out the video version of the podcast at our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash Supremacy. And now, let's get into what's happening. Hey, what's happening? Episode 88. Check it. One, two, one, two. I am Shane. And I'm Nico. <laughs> I almost said I'm Shane too. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Whoops. And okay. uh, we're happy to have Brian Nichols of The Brian Nichols Show as our guest today. Hi. Doing? doing good, guys. Good to talk to you. It's been a little bit. How you guys been? Yeah, it's been Pretty good. Pretty good. Yep, just hanging in there in the, you know, what is this, the... The fifth month of self-quarantine or whatever. Fifth or 500th. I really, I've lost count at this point. That's what it seems like. It just seems like forever, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so yeah, we're, we're happy to have you on. You know, the, obviously the, I think the last time uh, we kind of had this type of thing or whatever, we were on your show. Mm-hmm. Yes. So returning the favor. You are now <laughs> much, on much obliged. Show. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So. I guess uh, you know before we kind of get into uh, get into your brain a little bit, I uh, wanted to ask you about you know because it's Sunday that we're recording this, mm-hmm. and for a lot of people, maybe not for you. No, I'm sorry just for me. Yeah, I'm just sorry. You sorry. you get just out of here. Yeah, it's just okay, the, the men are going to be talking here for a little bit. <laughs> uh, so the uh, NFL has started uh you know obviously there was a, a game with the chiefs and the texans that just happened a couple days ago mm-hmm. uh but now the nfl see the week one is now real in in full swing i can't even talk in full swing all right so just early predictions and you know kind of the politics around the nfl and everything leading up to it, especially with the COVID thing that was going on uh what are your thoughts on everything with the nfl uh, well, the NFL is walking a very like fine line right now um, because I, I think by and large, the NFL is probably one of the more self-aware brands, um, or at least I, I thought they were for a while. So the NFL kind of like tiptoed around taking definitive stances um, on pretty much any any sensitive issue in modern history. You really think about it. Like they really haven't really gone out and made it a, a a position their players have right so we saw that really start in 2015 the hands up don't shoot but they, i think it was the st louis rams at the time um they were very well uh noted for doing that so but other than that though i mean colin kaepernick then obviously kind of took the the main stage with his kneeling for the national anthem but in terms of like looking at the overall um you know the nfl this year i think number one the clientele doesn't want any like they don't want to be preached to anymore um, for better or for worse. Right. And we actually see this in the game that you refer to the chiefs and the Texans game. So you had the chiefs and the Texans in a, in a sign of solidarity, uh, take a knee at the midfield and the fans that were in the Chiefs stadium booed. Uh, and, and I mean, I think that speaks to kind of where the, uh, the country is at this point. And I think you're going to find and there's going to be a lot of folks predominantly on the left. They're going to be really surprised at the election. Um, I'm, I'm starting to believe more and more that Trump's going to get reelected. 
Hmm. And it's nothing that he has done. It's it's kind of and uh, of all people, literally the the best take I've seen was back from 2017. And what Ben Shapiro said was all the left has to do is not be crazy. And what have they done? Yeah. They've just been crazy. That and that's the thing is like it's not a matter of like what Trump is doing. It's what the left is doing. And and you see this in these prominent, uh, predominantly left cities. You know, you look no further than the likes of Seattle. Portland, and they're being taken over by not not the the Black Lives Matter activists that I think we'd be on the same side as, but these these really far left Marxist Antifa folks, and it's they're predominantly you know entitled rich, rich white kids who you know they're just kind of bored it seems. Um, so going full circle to you know the NFL, Shane, I, I I think um I think the NFL right now has kind of forgotten uh at in 2020 who their market is and they're gonna start to see that and we're actually seeing that firsthand the, the opening night game i think it was down like 20 percent in ratings uh and in viewership and that's i mean that's a pretty big deal when you consider the nfl it i mean it's probably the, the biggest sport um in america objectively speaking um you know the market share for the nfl is is you know massive and yet and yet you see the numbers starting to drop. And I think it's because your average person that wants to watch football, that's exactly what they want to do. They want to watch football. Um, so, I mean, long story short, I think the NFL really needs to kind of consider, you know, and I forget who I was just listening to, but you know, this idea that the activist athlete is, you know, the shut up and dribble, like that's not, I think what a lot of people are saying, like there was a Charles Barkley on the cover of sports illustrated back um, yeah, back in the nineties with, with chains on to sim- symbolize, you know, that he felt that he was not being, you know, compensated properly. And he was still, you know, a quote unquote slave to the system being a player in the NBA that's in the nineties. Right. And there was, I mean, sure. I'm sure there's fans that were saying, you know, not to say that, but by and large, they still went to watch him play. They still went and supported the teams. But at the same point in time in the NFL in 2020, and you're seeing this across major sports is that, that message has now started to, to seep into the actual content, right? So the best analogy I can say is like, imagine if you went to you know, to Walmart, right? And every time you went to Walmart, a cashier was going to preach to you about you know the merits of name, you know the, the merits of of, of uh, you know third wave feminism, right? But like you had to, to experience that every time you went to Walmart. That's kind of what your average fan, I think, is starting to feel when they turn on the, the, the football games. Right. And um, I think the NFL has got to really take a, uh, you know, really hard look at is this, is this, you know, uh, from a business standpoint, the right decision, number one, but also from a, a building bridges standpoint, I, I don't see um, you know, this mindset of focusing only on negativity as a, a winning strategy. And this is one thing I've been talking about in my show is selling positivity, selling a positive vision for the future. If you're constantly focusing on the negatives, which I think is important to address the negatives and to actually you know, focus on the fact that those negatives exist, but to not offer a positive solution. This is where a lot of libertarians get in trouble, right? Is if you're a libertarian, we often are very easily um, able to identify the problems we see in life and in society, but we often get criti- criticized because we don't offer real solutions, right? So in this case, I would say that it's on us to to start to say, you know, to the NFL, like, hey, we're not a fan of, of what you're doing in, in terms of, you know, promoting X. But, you know, that doesn't mean necessarily that we're not fans of the overall message. It's just like you don't you don't want to have that in the marketplace because it's going to lead to what we're seeing a lot. Right. And I guess I'll, I'll kind of turn this question to you because this is the inner host in me. But like you see this right in, in brands, you see this in this like woke capitalism. And uh, I actually just saw this study that was like it actually ended up 
harming the people that it was supposed to be helping because it um it created negative perceptions of the people that it was supposed to be promoting because again it creates this like this um like negative resentment in your average person and i think again it goes to speaking to unintended consequences and i would go back to when i had you guys in my show uh, obviously you guys being asian americans like do you guys at all experience that in your lives like just like the the like woke virtue singly almost like kind of going against your ability to like live your lives yeah i just the thing that i don't understand about the woke capitalism and like pushing the message on everybody is like it just seems so overbearing, you know, mm. and and like you'd think that like the whole well capitalism thing, it would be, you know, because everyone says like, well, we should just just let the free market decide on, you know, like solutions and things like that. But then when they're pushing this kind of thing, it's kind of like, do they care about the people who are buying their product or do they care about like getting out some message that's, you know, mm -hmm. not going to look i don't know like yeah. it's not going to resonate the right way that they want it to you know what i mean but who are they talking to you know what i mean like who who are they talking to and that's yeah. the thing i think like you know the the expression i've become more accustomed with is twitter is not real life yeah 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 and another thing too about that that this whole aspect of just well capitalism or whatever is that these corporations are trying to get behind all these uh you know I don't know, protests and, and everything like that. <laughs> but, yeah. at the end, but at the end of the day, those people that you're saying, yeah, we're for, uh, you know, such and such or whatever. And we all, we, we also care about social justice and everything. It's like, well, these people that you're talking to, they hate you. Yes. Yeah. So you can put as much money as you want into, you can put billions of dollars into such and such organization, whatever. They're still going to be like, yeah, well, corporations are evil. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that's why I'm always, I'm like, I'm a big proponent of getting your opponents to like, just, define terms explain goals because if like if you can't if number one if you can't agree on like what the the definitions of terms actually mean and like you know then you're kind of talking past each other but like i also want to know like what's your goal right because if we're gonna have con have this constant game of back and forth where it's like well you know it's not enough well i'm gonna say okay you need to like give me the measurement like what is going to be considered quote unquote enough so we can like you know rectify this this you know terrible injustice from our past and move forward and and i haven't really heard that because it seems like there are people and I, i'm gonna point to like the people like the colin kaepernick's who take advantage you know the, the jameel hills right who take advantage of this woke capitalism and then they they you know end up making millions and millions of dollars against the very thing that they're speaking against and the only way that they're going to keep making that money is if that problem it continues to exist, right? Uh, I mean, you no, know, I, I talked to Gary Collins. He's uh, big into the, the health and, and wellness uh, sector. And one of the things he talks about, you know, why are there always sick people and things don't seem to get better? Because there's no market in healthy people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing is true. There's no there's no market in finding common ground and, and moving forward in things, right? So until I think the, the adults in the room are able to sit down and say like, how, like, let's let's work th this out or like let's talk through this and figure out like what's the best next step as a society that or like we're going to see things get worse uh, like the temperatures are going to rise because honestly people like i don't think your average person is okay with anymore being told what to do from washington dc and i think you can say that from on the left they don't want to be told what to do by donald trump but on the right your average person like out in wyoming they don't want to be dictated to by washington dc like come on yeah, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Colin Kaepernick or whatever. It's 
it's um like did you see the thing where apparently he's going to be on i think the madden, madden game or whatever and his rating is five points higher than it was when he was last in the game four years ago yeah and that's just like i mean can you just be real and i mean if you're gonna put him in the game that's fine or whatever but don't give him some yeah, like you're saying five points higher than his than what he was on before. Yeah. Maybe something realistic, like, I don't know, a 70 or something. Because I don't know, maybe he has been practicing every single day of his life after the NFL, you know, he came out, whatever, because apparently he been blacklisted or something. Right. Like, the whole story behind that. Yeah. And I don't really want to get into the whole, oh, Colin Kaepernick is a hero or he's not, or he's a film. I don't know, whatever. I mean, probably all that probably did start when he started kneeling or whatever. And like, and just in terms of the protesting in general, with with kind of going back with the NFL and, and sports in general, it's that if the players, when, when the national anthem is happening and, and the players want to kneel, I'm I'm totally fine with that. If they want to put their hand over the heart, great. If they want to stand up, you know, start crying, do whatever. You can kneel, put your fist up. It, I I honestly really don't mind any of that. And I think even uh, the Texans and Chiefs game, I think the Chiefs were out in the field, but the Texans stayed in their locker room. When Is that what it was? I, I believe so, yeah. Okay. And if, if the team wants to do that, fine, because the NFL probably isn't going to say anything about that. I mean, they're probably – I think at the beginning they were saying, oh, you better stand for the flag. You better do that because if not, you're going to get fined or whatever. You know, and, and once once the once you do all the protesting before the game, fine. But once the game is going on, then because people can tune into that or they don't. Yeah, you know, like I don't want to see the national anthem. I don't want to see some person singing the national anthem or "Oh Say Can You See" or whatever. You know. But you know what's funny is that it it didn't used to be like that. Like the national right. anthem and, and like the the rah rah America, like mm-hmm. that wasn't part of the NFL until around nine eleven. Like yeah, and and that really came with. I mean, if you really want to look at like the root of the problem, it came with in, in our more uh, you know spending from the Fed that went towards the war that went towards basically like propaganda. I mean, if we're going to really talk about like why we have the national anthem, I'm not talking about the merits of, of anything, but like right. the reason that we do the pomp and circumstance and all these these you know sporting events is because entirely we are trying to build up this this nationalist sense of appeal. I mean. You know, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, for better or for worse, right? And and I have a vivid memory of uh, back, it was in 2001, right after 9-11, number 31, Roy Williams, who was our our starting safety at the time, and he was like an all-star, running onto the field with an American flag before the National Anthem. And there was like, a, you know, an overhead flyover of the Jets and stuff. And it was just like, it was so cool. And like, you got goosebumps because you're like, yeah, I'm an American and America's team. And like, you get all like, you get into it. And I can see why it's so to- like it, it's such a, a a toxic feeling you get because you can see why the idea of nationalism can expand beyond nationalism, right? And it, it kind of is a little scary because I can see how people maybe in in you know Nazi Germany in the 1930s they didn't really think anything of it probably. Now, no, I'm not comparing America to the Nazis. I'm right. not doing that before I get taken out of context. <laughs> but I think it's important for us to at least recognize right things because, I mean, the reality is those who don't learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Right. Um, now, do I claim to be a historian? No, I'm more of a sales guy. That's kind of my my shtick. That's my my niche in this this you know, liberty world I found myself in. Um, but at the same point in time, I, I am a big believer in history and learning from those who have learned from history, you know, I had um, Lily Tang Williams on my show. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with her, but she grew up in Mao's China, right? And mm-hmm. um, she talked about from an education standpoint how it was it was Mao Mao's China to indoctrinate the children. So, like every night, you would go home and you'd write in your little book to Chairman Mao 
you know, what your parents did. If your parents were talking to anybody they shouldn't be talking to, and then you'd bring that to your teacher. And every day you'd, you'd do like a report basically on, you know, your, your letters to chairman Mao. And then the teacher was supposed to bring it to chairman Mao. But what they'd actually do is they'd bring it to the government officials. And if your parents were on the, you know, they, they were doing something nefarious in the eyes of the Chinese government, then they'd be taken away and likely killed. Right. So that was a complete indoctrination from, you know, just an education standpoint. And you see how easy it can be to completely pervert a mindset to you look at North Korea and you have an entire population of people who, who I, I hope they don't think that the, you know, the Kim family is royalty or, you know, that they're, um, you know, deities, but I'm sure that there are some people because that's all they've known that that is their reality. That is their world. Um, so I think then it goes to us and then that's kind of what we do here is we just try to talk more people. Right. Um, and, and you know, raise awareness and stuff like this. And I think it's also important on us to, to, uh, you know, point out when the other side, I would say that goes back to the NFL sometimes when they're, their messaging and their their approach to solving these issues actually are creating some more harm. Um, you know, we're seeing right now a massive, massive uh, turn in support for Black Lives Matter uh, over the past couple of weeks. And it, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised because the fact that lava is associated to the the riots and, and the looting, mm -hmm. and that's not fair on the, the the movement. I would say. But that's what happens when the association is created. Um, so, you know, then you have organizations like the NFL who, who start to raise up more of that and it creates more resentment. Right. So and then it, it fosters that resentment. And, and again, your average person, they don't want to be preached to. They want to be maybe educated. Right. And have those conversations. But mm -hmm. when you're being preached to and, and you feel like you're being yelled at, like if you're being told that you're a bad person, like. How are you going to enter a conversation in good faith? You know, like that's that's I've never had a winning a winning conversation, a winning sales call by starting out saying you guys suck. Like, here's <laughs> here's why you guys suck so bad. Like, that's not how that works. And, it, and they're going to hang up on you and rightfully so. And then the, people in the liberty movement are surprised or people in the you know, in, in name the movement are surprised when they start out that mentality or that mindset and then they get turned off entirely. Right. Um, so I don't know that I think if we're looking at the, the NFL, then it kind of how it all connects in the grand scheme of things and this weird just kind of cultural move that we found ourselves in, which I do think is entirely right now based on the fact that your average person just, they have nothing to do. Like, like we're finally getting back. I mean, when we, when did we last record, um, you know, back in the summertime. Right. And we were still like in the heat of the lockdowns. Yeah. So like we're recording now in the fall and like things are kind of getting back to normal in some, in some respects. Mm -hmm. Um, like uh, my gym just opened back up here in Jersey. So like, that was exciting. Um, but yeah, like other than that, like people are still kind of just numb, I think, and they're looking for an outlet. And I think you've seen a lot of people use the the protests and the rioting as their outlet. And because really they, they're just looking for something to change, and that's what they're envisioning as that change. Um, instead of looking at bettering themselves or trying to, you know, better their their health or their financial well-being, whatever 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 it is, they're focusing on destructive means. Um, and I I, I I mean I empathize not with the the person doing that but i empathize with the person getting to the point that they're just looking for answers right yeah. um yeah that was a lot there i guess i kind of went on a, a really scary just death spiral of sadness and depression talking about where the country is man i'm sorry about that we have to get, bring it back up no i was just gonna make a joke and say that you said um, your gym opened back up in in jersey there or whatever and i was thinking man as a cowboys fan that must be nice you know, being in Jersey and you know, probably surrounded by Giants and Jets and Patriots. Oh no, you think no, dude. I'm down. I'm down next to Philly. They they hate me. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't sense. worry. Yeah, I mean, I'm a 49ers fan, and okay, Cowboys territory. Yeah, I know, right? But I don't, I don't really like project. You know, I don't wear like Cowboys or the Cowboys. I don't wear like Niners gear all the time and everything. Right. It's just something that you know. Yeah, you gotta be smart about it. Like, I mean, I'm a big guy. I, I, I can hold my own, but like, I'm not gonna like go invite people to kick my ass because I'm wearing Dallas Cowboys stuff. Like, I'm just gonna be. You gotta be smart about it. Especially with yeah, Eagles fans all over the place. Like, I heard they can get. Pretty bad over there. They can, they can get aggressive. They can get very aggressive, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. You know what? I just thought of something though. With all the people moving to Dallas from California, maybe you'll have a market for like hey, San they, Francisco. Yeah, here. there you go. Just just keep your football team. Just you know, have them you know, change their politics though when they're moving with you. Yeah, well, as, as long as they don't bring their politics here, we're good. That's probably easier said than done, though. I'm sure. What do you guys like? I, I'm curious. Where do you think that cognitive dissonance comes from? Like, they can literally look at California and just see what uh, you know. It, it what these all these pol- I almost said a dumpster fire, and I was like, just not a joke to be made at all right now. Yeah. Um, but like literally, I mean, the policies in California have been dumpster fire policies for generations, and it's like, how can you say like, oh, I'm gonna move from a, a state that is in you know complete you know just downward spiral? because of bad policy and then move to a state that has good economic standing. And I'm going to in- implement those exact same policies and then be confused when it starts to get bad. It's like, I don't understand how somebody doesn't see that. I don't get it either because I mean, as we speak, California is literally on fire. Right. Um, and they're, I don't know, like there's, <laughs> there's a lot of problems that we could get into with California, but then like, all these people end up moving to like, you know, liberal areas in Texas or in Colorado or well, Colorado is a socialist uh, state anyway. <laughs> but anyway, um, like, um, like they'll move to Dallas because it's blue and then they'll move to Austin because it's blue. And then they'll mm-hmm. try to say, we need to turn Texas blue. And it, I don't get it. Like, so why? So we can become like California. Like, I, I was just going to mention when you're talking about like dumpster fire and just, California and you know the fires are happening there unfortunately there's that video that famous video right now where uh, Gavin Newsom is talking about how we're you know we're a pro- something like we're a progressive state and we're doing all this stuff and it's like you're you're, you're literally standing in smoke right now yeah it's like why did you do it there why can't you just do it in your office or something exactly I like, like the that projection is just that that one was weird yeah, well, I, I mean, I think we've gotten to this point in the simulation where, like, the gaslighting is, like, all the way up. Like, I, I, I mean, there's that one Chiron on CNN, right, where the guy is standing in front of the um, the fire and he's like, a mostly peaceful protest did, you know, a few, a little bit, a few fires. It's like, my sir, turn behind you. <laughs> like, what are we doing? I don't know. It's like, you blind or something? Or <laughs> yeah. Like, just, just, like, two steps. Just one, two. There you right. go. Like, mostly No. Yeah, and you can actually hear gunshots in the background of that video if you listen. And I'm just like, are you like, we're supposed to believe you right now, even though, like, right behind you, there's like fights and stuff going on and a fire burning in a building. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so, actually, this is a a pretty good segue on because you were talking about. Uh, kind of a, a little bit before we're talking about California and everything about how, you know, BLM is being, uh, you know, with the protests and, and writing and looting and all that, you, you know, the, like that message, that's a good message, but obviously with 
all the bad stuff that comes with it, everyone's just going to associate BLM with, well, you're just those that want to loot and destroy my business. Yeah. Well, wait, just before you say that also, they don't have any set goals that like that are achievable. So mm -hmm. I think that's why they mm -hmm. keep getting associated with these things. Well, yeah, that's true. And so the reason why I say that is because there's this really big, massive controversy that's going on right now. And there are people that are saying, well, and I'm going to, I really want to try and be as light as possible, but it, probably, it might not be possible. But so there's this movie out and it's called cuties and everyone's all like, you know, it's all these movie reviews saying, well, maybe, maybe if you just tried it, maybe it'd be, you know, maybe you'd like it. It's yeah. like, wait, what? Okay. So there, okay. So there are people, I'm not going to name names because whatever, but there are people who are saying, well, well, this is all the libertarians fault. This is libertarianism. This is why this movie libertarianism. So, okay. My first thought when I, when I see this is, oh, so now you're saying that libertarianism is all the power. Hollywood <laughs> apparently is filled with libertarians. I, that's news to me. I didn't know that. I mean, three I, of them. Movie. I know it's a French movie, but still it's, it's, it's the movie community. Let's just say that. Yep. And then you're going to basically say, okay, so now all libertarians like this kind of stuff. Oh, really? In my Twitter feed, maybe it's just the people I follow. I mean, I could, I'm sure that has something to do with it, but I haven't seen maybe a couple, but for the most part, most of the libertarians have been like, no, they're going to go in the wood chipper. Like they're, they're going to, they're, we're going to shoot them away. We're going to kill them if possible, whatever. So I, I I get maybe is that a gaslighting way of saying we love this kind of stuff? We're gonna kill you. Yeah, like I don't understand. So I know you're you're referring to some of these voices, right? That they focus on um, libertine versus libertarianism. So right. libertine is just do whatever because you can. That's not libertarianism. Um, libertarianism in, in to put it as Matt Kibbe so uh, articulately framed it in his book: don't hurt people. And don't take their stuff. Yeah. I think it is without question that anything that at all tacitly or, or you know, full-throatedly endorses pedophilia is the definition of hurting a child. And and that is entirely against the, the libertarian philosophy. To your point, Shane, the libertarian answer to you know pedophilia, like no, they they would be you know, looked at as the lowest of low in society, anything you do to a child, I mean, pretty much is the worst thing you can do. Uh, and yes, they would be handled in, in uh, that type of manner. And to, yeah, to associate libertarians with, with such a, a you know, evil, evil uh, mentality um, is it's, it speaks more to the, the motives of the people that are making those arguments. Right. And, and I say that because one of the things I've been focusing on in my show is, is only really engaging in folks uh, in conversation with folks who are approaching conversations in good faith, because yeah. if you're going to start out like in a conversation and you're already setting the, um, the, the framework for the conversation with either, you know, willfully incorrect framings or, you know, uh, you know, purposely trying to, to frame the conversation with, uh, manipulated data or, you know, framing, whatever it may be, I'm instantly questioning like, well, what's your goal here? Is your goal to actually have a conversation and find some common ground or to actually like really dig into some issues? Or is your goal to try to make me look stupid for like a quick video that you right. can doctor and use? Or, you know, is your conversation to leave just trying to feel right? 
right? And, and, and if you're just trying to feel right, then I'm not going to have a, that kind of a conversation because that's not a conversation worth having. Um, so yeah, to, to cuties though, yeah, no, I I hear I've heard this argument too that um, you know it, it speaks to uh, you know it, it and <laughs> I think the person who actually did the best uh, you know kind of synopsis of cuties was Ben Shapiro. And he basically said, like, listen, if you want to look at cuties as like what the message was, yes, the message of the movie was that of like getting sexualizing children out of the mainstream, which is fine. But in the process of doing so, you sexualize children and and like there, there has to be kind of like this, like, like timeout, like acknowledging that that's probably not a good thing. Right. Like the, the, they're kids. And, and uh, I, I think until we acknowledge like there has to be kind of this line. Right. It doesn't have to be a line from government. It can be us as a society saying like, no, 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 the, the, this is too far. And we're seeing that. I mean, I think I saw the number was Netflix has lost nine billion dollars in yep. market share over the past few days. That's showing that your average person is saying, nope, that's too much. And now that there's a lot of other competing services out there, I'm sorry, Netflix, I don't need you. Oh, and by the way, the only reason I would use you anyways is because I watch The Office. So guess what? I have all nine seasons on DVD. <laughs> R.I.P. Netflix. Like I'm, I'm, and I'm, I think your average person, they're also kind of waking up to that too, um, which is encouraging because that shows that the foundational principles that we speak about, in, you know, in terms of the free market and such, that they're sound. Like. Mm -hmm. Monopolies only exist when they're offering their customers or their, their clients the service that they're looking for at the cost that is justified, right? Yeah. And if, if you're going to start to offer a service that is like highly questionable um, and morally questionable, then you're going to start to see your average consumer move their dollars. Um, and, and that's a good thing. Like the more competition in the marketplace, the better. Um, that's why I would dare say and it, you know what? You want to do a throwback? This is like I think what two years ago. Net neutrality. You want to go back there? If net neutrality had been, um, you know, entirely reversed, I can almost guarantee that Netflix would have been insulated from any market forces because they would have had a much higher um, you know, monopoly in the market. Because what net neutrality is going to do was going to be allowing. Um, the ability to basically have these buffet, um, it, imagine the internet as like a buffet, right? So when you're going and you're utilizing the internet, oh, there goes my mic. Um, when you're utilizing internet services, um, it's like you're utilizing the bandwidth at the buffet and companies would charge you based on how much you were utilizing. The idea of net neutrality is that you weren't going to charge the, the users who are using more data um, higher amounts based on their using more. So it'd be like going to a buffet you're not allowed to charge the sumo wrestler more because he's going to eat more versus, you know, the anorexic person. And, and like you weren't allowed to discriminate that price. So that's what the whole problem was with net neutrality, which would inevitably lead to a, a situation where you have these high bandwidth using companies like Netflix who would take advantage of the situations would create then a situation where the, the other um, providers out there would be able to compete, um, you know, maintain that that traditional cost that otherwise would have been lowered in the market. And you would have had situations where competitors, now obviously like Disney Plus and stuff, those would have existed. But the ease of entrance into the marketplace would have been a lot more difficult. So I'm not sure you would have seen as many competitors on the marketplace right now as you would have otherwise. So, um, you know, again, going full circle, it, it also speaks to, you know, 
focus on government intervention. You know, if government had intervened, I can almost guarantee that this whole cuties thing would have and could have been a lot worse um, because it, the, the market wouldn't have been able to to react the way it would have wanted to. So, but it doesn't matter because we all died from net neutrality and such like what, three years ago. So this isn't even yeah. happening. This is all simulation, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that explains 2020, right? Like, <laughs> Please, yes. Explain 2020. We're going to all wake up. It's going to be over. Yeah, and not only that, everyone will be tweeting one word and then a big space, another word. Because like, apparently <laughs> everybody was tweeting like that during that time. Yeah, exactly correct. Yep. Can we always like go back to like uh, St. Patrick's Day of like March and just be fine again before po- like COVID and stuff too? Yeah, that would definitely be better than, you know. I think that's the last checkpoint in the simulation before things got weird. Yeah. That's definitely for sure. Um, yeah. Last so- autosave. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good point that you're, that you're talking about, uh, just how, you know, cause I'm sure when Netflix is seeing their market share is going down and all the money they're losing, they're, I don't know what they're thinking, but I would probably guess they're probably going to have some meeting and be like, Oh, sh- what happened here? Like, I we, hope so. We, I would we, hope we, so because... we totally backfired on this. So they're probably thinking, Oh, this is going to be, no one's going to know where to put this movie in there. Okay, great. Well, the thing that's weird about it is the only people who seem to be defending it are like, you know, some random journalists who are like, well, you know, you have to watch it or something in order to understand it. So I'm just going to put it out there that I I did watch it or like kind of skimmed through it. And it is worse than the trailers. So just don't watch it. And we're also probably canceling Netflix because we don't really have a reason to keep it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're we're starting to uh, go through Star Trek: The Next Generation, mm-hmm. and we're, we're watching it on Netflix. And then I was like, well, let's just check it out on Prime, whatever. And it's there. It on I, I was like, holy, it's actually on Prime. Okay, now we can, you know. Yeah, because that's the only go. reason why we're having it. And then I also <laughs> uh, uh, saw too that Cobra Kai is on Netflix, but you can just get YouTube Premium because there too. Uh, so you know, there's that as well. Um, there are options. Yeah, exactly. There are, yeah, for sure. The market is providing options. Yeah. <laughs> the true. market finds a way. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I guess kind of um, speaking about your show or whatever, because you were talking about having conversations with people that actually want to have a conversation and not just, you know, kind of tying up with what we're just talking about. Just people just going into bad faith, uh, bad faith being like, yeah, well, this group is that and that's it. I'm not going to have any. Okay, well, then what's the point of me talking to you then? If that's how you're mm-hmm. And so kind of talk about, uh, you know, about your show and just how, you know, the conversations that you've, that you've had and everything and, you know, how the message should be spread better than how it has been. Yeah, for sure. Um, So my show, I've, let's see, we're going on three years, which is hard to imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, I am 134 episodes, I think now. Um, I was doing once a week. Uh, now I'm actually, so I have a, a new producer um, behind the scenes, which means that um, I can actually start focusing more on the things that people want, which is content. And I can, you know, kind of help doing some of the back end stuff, uh, you know, delegate that and relegate that to uh, my awesome producer, Corey. Um, so with that, uh, we're kind of doing either two or three episodes per week, depending on, um, you know, the number of guests I've had and, and to speak to the guests. My, my running joke is that I want to have people on my show who are infinitely smarter than I am um, because at the end of the day, I don't know everything. And I think it'd be silly for anybody to ever kind of believe or position themselves as knowing everything. So uh, with that, I have uh, experts on my show from all walks of life, entrepreneurs, politicians, 
uh, economists, uh, successful business owners, you, you go through. Um, and really, the real, the real point of my show is to, to ask questions, right? To, to figure out what it is that um, your average person um, you know, needs to hear and ask the questions that they're asking. They're, they're asking in their head to these people because I think at the end of the day, your average person feels embarrassed to ask questions because they feel like, oh, I'm stupid. Um, so when I had these experts on my show, I'll, you know, put myself in a, a state of ignorance and be like, yo, listen, I don't know the answer to this question. I just had a uh, Mikel uh, Thorpe on my show. He's an expat and he really focuses on, you know, leaving America, being able to, you know, get a real, truly free lifestyle, um, mm -hmm. offshore banking and stuff. And I was like, listen, I'm going to completely acknowledge this and admit elephant in the room. I know nothing about this topic. Educate me, like teach me as if I am an idiot. Cause I quite literally am. Um, so in this case, that's, you know, one aspect of my show, but the other part that I've really, I've taken on as kind of my, my role. And I, I do so because I really haven't seen it being focused upon as it needs to be in the Liberty movement. That's one of sales um, and selling Liberty and, and truly making Liberty relate to your average person on a person to person basis. Right. So with that being said, one of the things I've been focusing on is to have conversations on my show uh, on my show to really focus on where maybe either we have common uh, common disagreements um, or agreements and then to work through those and then to take those uh, individual uh, instances and teach my audience how to relate them to your average, you know, be a Republican, Democrat, conservative, um, you know, socialist, and to have those issues resonate with the average person, but to also show that we can't approach conversations um, that we know everything. We can't. Um, it, we have to approach conversations the same way that I, I've really kind of had to approach my show because at the end of the day, everything in life is sales. Um, and, and either you're selling yourself, you're selling an idea, you're selling a product, a service, whatever it may be. And, and if we're selling uh, liberty, right, and we're just preaching about, you know, the, the merits of Rothbard and Hayek and Mises, guess what? We're going to get like glazed over eyeballs. It's not because the information isn't great. It's because... They don't care. We're not talking to them where they're at. So the difference would be we need to start asking questions. And that requires us to, to do this thing that libertarians just don't seem to have the ability to do. And that's show some empathy. Um, because when we ask questions, right, it gives us a chance to learn where that person's at and to find where maybe we can find some common ground to then build a conversation upon. Um, you know, I, I'd never have had a conversation go too far when I, again, I, I I've had, you know, somebody say that you're an idiot or that you're wrong or that you're a bad person like that. You're not going to have a conversation with them, but you're also not going to have a conversation with somebody when you come in guns a blazing at level 1000 libertarian and they're at level negative five because, you know, they maybe have never even heard the term libertarian or if they did, they just thought of Gary Johnson sticking his tongue out on TV. Mm -hmm. And like, that's kind of the, the challenge that your average libertarian faces is trying to get our, our message and our, our really our solutions to your average person, because your average person has really so personified this caricature that has been, you know, created that is the libertarian. It's the naked guy running on stage. It's the Gary Johnson, you know, faking the heart attack, which was hilarious by the way. Um, but that is the mentality that your average person has when they look at a libertarian, it's on us to get past that and to start to break that characterization by asking questions to the people we're speaking to and to relate our libertarian principles 
to the the answers to their questions. So if I say, you know, you know, if I come in and say, hey, here's why property rights are so important. Here's why non-aggression is so important. And that, you know, we're not talking their language. It literally is like a language barrier. But if I say, you know, hey, right now what's happening with all the, the rioting and looting, you know, we, we believe that, you know, Black Lives Matter and we support criminal justice reform, but we also support the, the property rights of your, your average business owner. Um, you know, do, do you see the, the value in, you know, supporting property rights or maintaining property rights. And you can, if you can start to build some common ground there or ask them, Hey, you know, have you experienced any of those problems in your community? And what, what do you think would be, you know, the, the, the route to those problems start to get like what they think that the, the solutions are. Cause then you can kind of reverse engineer, go back to where they, they started out on this, this pathway of, you know, maybe government being the answer to the problems. And you can see, you know, if you can reverse engineer to the point that you get to like where that you know, moment they took the, the blue pill was that you can almost like, kind of figure out how to get them to take the red pill, right? Because you just got to get them back to that frame of mind. Um, this is in sales, what we call, um, you know, tracing the sale, the sales cycle. So you're going through the sales history. You'll ask somebody, hey, last time you did this, this decision, what, um, you know, what was the process? Who was in these meetings? What were, you know, kind of some of the, the deciding factors for you? And the reason you're asking that is because nine times out of 10, those are going to be the same deciding factors when they're looking at a new solution. So we have to do that when we're promoting liberty as the new solution problem is that we we've just been um you know promoting it as like engineers so we like we'll give them a, a 30 page white paper and be like read all this and you're going to learn all about why what we have to offer is the best we're not talking to them as a person in terms of the value that's going to bring to them or bring to their community bring to their families bring to their livelihoods their future um we have the responsibility to present it in a way that's easy to digest but also that paints a vision for a better future um because again if we're selling negative we're going to be losing I just kind of want to rewind a little bit and know your story of how you became a libertarian or if you've always been a libertarian, raised libertarian, or do you have some sort of um, like moment when you kind of became a libertarian? I do actually. Um, well, it, it was kind of like a, a, a morphing. Um, so my family history, my my family, Republican politics um, through and through. My dad, you know, 15 years was a county legislator for my home district. And uh, I got to meet some you know, very noted people in American politics, Chuck Schumer, Hillary Clinton, uh, Governor George Pataki, former uh, Congressman, Secretary of the Army, John McHugh. And, and with that, you know, I got to really experience how politics works. Um, but it was through the lens of making the system keep working versus like the principles, right? So, the first like principled moment I really remember was watching the 2008 um, debates with Ron Paul um, being really the only voice of reason uh, compared to the other, uh, I forget how many candidates on stage, but most notably was Mr. America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Um, this is seven years after 9-11, right? And we're saying that two days here after the 19th anniversary of 9-11. And, and like Ron Paul was the only candidate on stage being like, hold up, maybe they attacked us because, you know, we've been over there for couple decades, you know, have bombed a couple of families into, you know, the stone age. Maybe that's the reason that they aren't big fans of us. Maybe it has something to do with us, you know, promising after um, we, we, they helped us get the Soviets out of there that we we're going to help rebuild their schools. And, and then we didn't, and we peaced out. Maybe there's a little resentment from those Mujahideen who became Al Qaeda, maybe. Um, so uh, that was kind of my first, like, Oh, he's saying something that's different. And, it makes sense. So I didn't, I should have been like time to like start digging more into, to, you know, who this guy was then, but I didn't. 
Um, I kept going through Republican politics. Uh, I worked on congressional campaigns, assembly campaigns. Um, you know, I, I've done everything in, in campaign politics you can really pretty much think of. And uh, then when it was a uh, 2012, um, I I watched in in Mitt Romney's uh, you know flaming defeat. I was like, what is happening? Why didn't people? Vote for the guy who's talking about economics in the right way, which wasn't the right way, but I thought it was the right way um, because it was different from what Obama was was preaching. Uh, and then um, I started to hear more people being like, oh, it's because, you know, uh, he wasn't good on the social stuff. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I thought he was like decent. He's like a nice guy, at least. Um, and I, he didn't seem like too threatening. So I was kind of like, well, maybe we need just to have like this like socially accepting party right and so in my mind i made this like new age republican it was going to be like a fiscal research uh, conservative socially accepting kind of like that like shtick that gary johnson was promoting as a libertarian in 2016 right um that was how i wanted to approach it and and then also i heard rand paul of all people on on uh the the senate floor doing a filibuster uh for um you know bombing folks with drones who are american citizens and i was like wait a minute paul i know that name and then I put two and two together that he was the guy from 2008 son, but now he's in the Senate and he's doing, he's talking about the same stuff that his dad was. And I was like, okay, so there's, there's gotta be something these guys like talk about behind the scenes that they both are on the same page with foreign policy. I should look more into them. And then I started the, like the ever um, infamous YouTube rabbit hole. And I just like, you know, autoplay feature was the worst thing ever. Cause I was going down every single Ron Paul video, every Rand Paul video. And I started to learn Milton Friedman, Rothbard, Hayek, Mises, I started, you know, watching every I mean, Tom Woods, uh, Dave Smith, uh, you, you know, Austin Peterson, Jason Stapleton. We are libertarians, lines of liberty. And I just started to go down this, this libertarian rabbit hole. And I was like, oh, my God, this. OK, I, I get it now. Like this is this is what I've been believing this whole time. I just didn't know there was a word for it because my, you know, my history, I'm from upstate New York. Like I'm middle of nowhere. Like you are either Republican, conservative or Democrat, liberal, like. And if you're a socialist, like you have four heads, so you're not even up there, but like that was my world. So when that's all your world is, you're kind of like isolated to what you're experiencing. So just being able to like get online and start to watch some of these different videos are really opened my eyes. So then um, I, I started to support Rand back in 2015 when he was running for president. I want him to be the face of the GOP. I was like, this is the way that the GOP can like bring in this liberty idea that I have stumbled upon um, and make it like a, a national issue. And, and we can have like a real conversation about like government and stuff. And and then he, he got his butt kicked right by Trump. Um, so I was like, well, I don't want to support Trump. So I ended up, I supported um, Austin Peterson. So I went ahead um, with Austin and I not only supported Austin, but I ended up uh, writing for his, his uh, website, Libertarian Republic. Um, so I started writing for the Libertarian Republic, um, associate editor there. And, uh, after a little bit, I started doing a podcast and it was focused on doing like a weekly review of the news. Um, so with that, I ended up getting invited onto some other shows, uh, namely being that of We Are Libertarians and, uh, Chris Spangle at the big channel, We Are Libertarians. Um, he, you know, had me on for a couple of, of guest shows and around the end of 2017, he was like, Hey, the, the network is going to be taking a little bit of a change in direction. Uh, would you be interested in uh, hopping on the, sh the network to have your own show? And I was like, actually, that's something I've been kind of like wanting to do is like use 
that medium to like, you know, have my own show. So starting in January of uh, 2018, uh, I, the Brian Nichols show was, was born. Um, so basically the, the show since then, um, I, I said 134 episodes in, and really my goal is to, to have, you know, movers and shakers, both in the Liberty movement, but also in their respective areas of, you know, expertise, be it, you know, in, in industry, be it in economics, um, science, healthcare, whatever it may be. Um, and really just to talk about the issues that the people are talking about, but also people care about because at the end of the day, um, going back full circle, if we're not talking to about the issues that people are genuinely concerned about or are asking about, then we're just, you know, we're just white noise, um, which there's too much white noise. At this point, your average person is, has sensory overload. So um, I'm trying to, to have these interesting conversations. That's why I had you guys on, right, to, uh, to talk about the culture, uh, because I think that's kind of a, a nice niche that you guys have really, um, you started to navigate it yourselves down. And I think you guys have great um, you know, takes on the culture that are much needed. And that's why I wanted to make sure, you know, I had you guys on because it's not a, a message or a voice that's really talked about much on, you know, the libertarian side of things. I think, you know, you guys, you get a lot of crap on Twitter because you say, you know, libertarians hate leaders, right? They, like it takes a leader to say something that's controversial or that's not a popular topic because it's the right thing to do. Um, so I, I mean, you guys do that a lot. And that's why I love um, following you guys, number one. Uh, but number two, also just, I think if we can relate liberty in a fun way, um, that's the winning strategy. Uh, and that's what you guys have really taken on with your show, with um, your, your, you know, doing on Twitter and stuff. So uh, yeah, I, I, I love being able to spread more voices, bring more people on, uh, bring more voices to the liberty movement. And then also, it spread those voices far and wide because at the end of the day, my voice might not resonate with a particular person, but yours will. And that's like, that's what we're doing here. Like, it's not about an ego thing. It's like, do we want to make America freer? Do we make the world freer? Like, isn't that what we're on board for? So yeah, it's, um, it's the Brian Nichols show. It can be found everywhere. Apple podcast though. Um, it's the main place to find it. Um, and you can find me on Twitter, uh, Facebook and minds.com. It's at B Nichols Liberty. Um, and my email is Brian at Brian and uh, here's the website. Uh, it was funny because we're thinking about you plugged yourselves. Oh, it's a great time to go and show everything uh, here. Here's the, yeah, here's the website. And uh, yeah, it's funny because you're talking about the Pauls and I was just like, oh, the Pauls strike again. They got another one. They did. No. And you know what? That That's the thing that drives me crazy is like, I get the libertarian. Like it goes back to like with Cato and Rothbard and there was this whole split there. And then like the Pauls history and, and like, there's this like split in the libertarian movement. And I'm just like, I don't care anymore. Like, and honestly, neither should anybody else. Like, can we can control? And this is one thing I, so I lead a sales team, my day job, I'm a telecom sales director, right? I preach this to my sales team, control what you can control. Can we control a feud that's happened in the past? Can we control things that the Pauls did or that the, the libertarian party did in the past? No, what we control is what we're, what we're focused on now and where we put our, our time and energy right now. So. Yeah, I mean, that would be great if they could just come together. But I mean, I guess some of those uh, wounds just are just they're just going to be there for who knows how long. It's so sad. It honestly is. Just taking a moment to say, if you want to help support us, please donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash what's happening. Or you can donate to us directly via PayPal. Some examples of patron benefits include early access, the full video library of old content, exclusive polls that will dictate the direction of our show, and merch. Thank you for your support. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to get into the part of the show that uh, is always um, lighthearted sometimes, a lot of fun, but always weird. 
Okay. Weird news stories. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so these were actually because we did a poll at, over at our Patreon page to see well which which uh, which weird news story should we talk with uh, with Brian and there was a tie. Uh oh. So we're gonna try and go through these real quick. Okay. <laughs> so if anything, we could just look at this the headline. Okay, we're done with this. But I think the first one we're really uh, this one uh, kind of lines up with what we were talking about before so yeah with like elections and everything so uh yeah, yeah. so for this one it is a transsexual satanist anarchist is gop nominee for uh cheshire county sheriff yo mad libs 2020 is wild <laughs> yeah and, th and this is in uh, new hampshire for those yeah. who uh, don't know and this is in the inside sources.com and i looked at i looked this up too just to see if this wasn't some bullshit story it's true yeah so wow. uh, yeah it, it's pretty crazy and apparently they're not getting a lot of support from the republican party then how do they i don't understand how they won like how does this type of stuff happen because so in certain it's actually funny my dad now is the elections commissioner in my home uh, county you see this a lot there'll be like just sacrificial lamb seats. So basically it's like, you know that the candidate is never going to like your, your guy's never going to win. So like, you'll just like toss up a random person or you'll just not run anyone. Um, so in this case, I'm assuming what probably happened is that that's probably a super, super safe Democrat seat. No Republican challenger probably stood up because they were like, we're going to get our ass kicked anyways. Why put time, energy and money towards a losing race? And then this, wonderful um mad libs 2020 candidate decided that they were going to take that void and because in I'm, I'm assuming in new hampshire the election law states that you don't necessarily have to have the blessing of the party as long as you file ballot access and you get your your petition uh, signed by enough of those voters that you're allowed to do it so that's probably what they did um and you know what it's funny though like that just speaks to why it's so important for your average person to stop being so apathetic, like get involved in politics. Otherwise like politics is going to get involved with you, like whether you like it or not. Yeah. And the funny part about it was uh, this person is a self-proclaimed libertarian. And so they said that they're going to like, what, what go back to the article. I saw, um, <laughs> go back to the article. <laughs> this shit's yeah, wild. They, we got to make sure we get this verbatim. They want to be known as a she male. And they started as an offshoot of the Free State Project of Libertarians. I uh, was literally going to ask if they were a Free State Project. So actually, that was one of my sponsors in the show back when I first started as the Free State Project. That's funny because then they apparently the Free State Project has since distanced themselves from them. <laughs> I wonder why. So, yeah, I saw some people saying like, oh, this libertarians are at it again. They're trying to infiltrate the GOP. But it's like, come on, this is just we like sure are. a local election. Yeah. I mean, meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, you have Dan Crenshaw and his his wonderful, uh, you know, ragtag group of GOPers down in Texas trying to get the actual Libertarian Party off the ballot because they're afraid of the Libertarian Party candidates. And then over in Indiana, you have uh, Libertarian Party candidate uh, Rainwater, who is oh, yeah. polling in. I think it was like a close third. He's got like twenty four percent, and the highest vote earner was thirty. Like, that's crazy. Let's, let's, let's focus on those folks, but no, we're going to focus on. These these folks. It's funny how like the media will pick and choose which stories um, they'll run stories about. They're like, like they're not going to raise attention to the guy who like is might winning the governorship in Indiana, who's a libertarian. Like that would terrify them because as soon as he got any notoriety, they, they, people would be like, oh, oh, and like they'd be like, it's not a wasted vote. Hold up, 
Like, and that's going to be the end of it right there. When people start to realize that it's not a wasted vote anymore. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm wearing this. <laughs> All right. So, okay. The last one, like I said, it was a tie. So we're, we'll go through this real quick, but it actually kind of speaks more to the culture. Uh, okay. that we're all talking about. I don't know how you can take this seriously. Well, I, yeah, that's, that's true, but it is kind of funny. You got to play the video. Yeah. We'll play the video. Okay. It really hits home. Uh, okay. So the headline, and this is in, uh, insider. Oh no. And, uh, okay. Yeah. It wants us to turn off our ad blocker. Sorry, people. Just a moment. Oh no. It doesn't want us to see it. But anyway, okay. Dr. Phil told his TikTok followers to stop calling him daddy because it's a little weird. Oh, so that's um, gross. Yeah. Could you just imagine? Like, first of all, you know, Dr. Phil, you know, TikTok. It's just so weird because I remember like coming home from school when I was like in middle school and then that show would be on. So I'd sit there and eat, eat a snack or something and watch that show. And now he's like on TikTok. I don't understand. Like, I, I, I don't. The- I've never got the appeal of um uh, of Doctor Phil. It's it's more like a you know like when you pass by a car crash but you can't look away. It's kind of like that. Like right there, that that whatever the <laughs> look at him. Oh man, he. Yeah. Okay, oh, so God. we'll go ahead and play the video. Hopefully, it will play because uh, this website's being a little slow, but. You have to stop commenting daddy on all of my posts. I ain't your daddy. Hate to break it to you, but I ain't your daddy. And you oh, he kind of loves it. Stephen, sir. I appreciate the support. It's a little weird, but I do appreciate the support. He loves it. He's so, he's so full of it. Look at him. He's so, he's like he's like, you gotta stop calling me daddy. It's kind of weird. <laughs> he's so yeah, weird. Yeah, and then like I don't know, like the only times I've heard of Dr. Phil in the last couple years is like something about him playing in a rock band or something. Remember that picture of him with a with a rock band? I don't know what's going on. Oh like, uh, yeah, I think I know you're talking about. Yeah, I remember the Cash Me Outside. How about that girl? Oh yeah, that, yeah. There you go. Yeah, Cash uh, Me Outside. How about that? That's like the last time I remember Dr. Phil being a a, a person. <laughs> Does that mean? <laughs> that's like there was a person after that i don't know who you're talking about who is that dr dr pill dr P- Hug? i remember when he was in the opening of scary movie four yeah that was great what? it's a, it's, it's a movie that, thing yeah maybe we should watch it but it's like it's it's so bad it's not and it's not like in my opinion it's not so bad it's hilarious it's just ugh. it's just, it's just, so just a bad, bad movie bad. yeah okay. yeah it's just a bad movie there was like two of the scary movies in a row. It was like I think it was four and five or three and four. Which one were they? They were like bad and bad and worse. In my opinion, I would say four and five. I think three had its moments. Okay, moments. that's probably four and five. Then I remember I watched like I I remember this is when video stores were a thing, kids. And yeah. I remember I went to the video store and I grabbed um like all the scary movies. It was like a Halloween thing, and like I was like, we're gonna get through all these in a week. And then like I got to four and five, and I was like, these movies are terrible. <laughs> Yeah, they can definitely be a, a, a drag. That's for sure. <laughs> like scary, well, they're called scary movie. It's just called scary movie. Yeah, it's called scary movie, but it's like a spoof. Oh. They're, they're basically, basically so like spoofs. this just in time for Halloween because you know it's right. Yeah, is it October yet? No, it's not almost October. almost almost. It feels like it should be because we've all been on lockdown for like four hundred and twenty three days. 
Yeah. I mean, to me, it still feels like July 2019. I don't know. No. What happened in July? Yeah, I was going to say, what happened in July 2019? I, don't know. I, I, I was trying to make a really, I was trying to make a joke where it's like, it's, it's so crazy. I feel like it's from last year. Because <laughs> I legitimately, like, I'll walk to my office and, like, I, so I didn't go back to my office until May, um, mm-hmm. like, to grab some stuff. And, like, it was still St. Patrick's Day, like, on my calendar and stuff. And it was just like, I don't know. It, it's kind of like when you see, like, the people go uh, explore, like, Chernobyl in time. I know that's a really, really like gross analogy, but that's kind of what it feels like. You like go back and everything is just like completely on a standstill. It's like, it's like, it, I don't know. It was just very spooky. Um, but yeah, it's kind of where my mind's at. Like it's still St. Patrick's day. Yeah. Well, uh, so I, I always forget to do this and I remembered it this time and I swear I'm going to try and do this from, from here on out, Brian, can you give us some plugs? Oh yeah. Um, so the Brian Nichols show, yeah, you can, um, find the Brian Nichols show anywhere. You find your, your wonderful podcast, but, uh, specifically go to Apple podcasts. Um, give me a five-star rating review. That'd be really nice. Um, but you can find the show, Brian Uh, and as for me, you can find me on social media on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and minds.com at B Nichols Liberty, or as it says right there uh, below at B Nichols Liberty. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me, um, so right now we're actually, we're growing the show like crazy. As I mentioned, um, you know, my new producer and I, uh, Corey, we've been working a lot behind the scenes, getting out more content, but also we're, we're you know, putting out more episodes. So uh, right now we are not only growing and putting out more episodes, but also uh, we're ex- accepting sponsors. So um, I've already gotten a couple of great sponsors starting up here um, for the month of September. I'm actually getting some sponsors uh, laid out for August, or for August, geez, for October and for um, for November. So if you're interested in uh, in doing a sponsorship or a partnership at the Brian Nichols Show, email me. It's brian at Show.com. Shane, Nico, thank you guys. It was so much fun. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, it was great. All right, everyone, thank you for watching, listening, and uh, you know, trying to stay what sane. What else is there? <laughs> watching, listening, and uh, uh, I don't know, not booing. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. All right, we'll we'll see you in the next one. All right, bye.